Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are so glad that you're like to welcome all those watching online. How many of you are feeling good today? All right. I feel good. You know, several years ago, uh, I was... Uh, was at Bushfield getting off an airplane. I went out in the lobby and I looked in the lobby. Sitting in the lobby was James Brown. And, um, you know, I'd seen, you know, years ago we used to see James around, uh, maybe at a restaurant, maybe at, I saw him one time at Radio Shack, but I never really talked to him. And so here he is sitting in the lobby at Bushfield. And so I thought, I'm going to go talk to, the, uh, to James Brown. You know, what do you say to the Godfather of Soul? You know, so I walked over to him. I said, I said, hey, James. He said, yeah. I said, I know you like to feel good. <laughs> and I said, you know, when I like to feel good, I listen to Stevens Creek worship, and, and I gave him one of Pastor Todd's CDs. <laughs> and so that's why he was feeling good. Well, today, I hope you feel good. We're continuing our series called Testing Positive, and our goal over the last several weeks is really to lift up your spirit and for us to be a positive force in this community. And so some of you are actually taking this to heart, and we've gotten several comments uh, over the last few weeks. And this came from a school teacher and said, today I had my students brainstorm for a poem. I entitled it, Testing Positive, and I wanted to get them thinking about the good things that has happened this year. I encouraged them to get the junky negative thoughts out of their lives and today, my students left my class more upbeat than they have been all term. Best Monday ever, to God be the glory. All right. You know, we're facing an epidemic. If you look around us, it's everywhere. It's in our families, it's in our communities, it's in our neighborhood, it's on social media. It's spreading like wildfire. Now, it's not the coronavirus, nor is it social injustice, but it's the epidemic of neg negativity, and that's why we've started this series, Testing Positive, to try to combat or push back the spread of this contagious disease. You say, well, how does negativity spread? It spreads in our words. You see, your words become like seeds. You plant them, and then they become uh, your reality. You know, whether you realize it or not, that as you speak, you are forecasting your future. You speak your words, and your words determine the direction of your life. So the overarching theme of this series is simply this. You cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk negative and expect to live a positive life. You cannot talk defeat and expect to have victory. You cannot speak lack and expect to have the overflow. And so today I wanna to talk to you about being optimistic. I believe that we have an opportunity and we have a choice. Are we gonna be positive are we going to be negative? You know, it's interesting that there are so many people that um, are naturally optimistic, 
And then there's another group of people that are naturally pessimistic. What category do you fit in? It reminds me of a, a set of parents that had two boys, and one of the boys were, it was just naturally optimistic. And the other son was just naturally pessimistic. And they realized that their personality traits uh, really were getting formed and they were wanting to break the mold out of this. And so they thought they'd use Christmas time as an opportunity to get them to break the mold out of their personality traits. And so what they did with the pessimistic child, they filled his room up with dozens and dozens of brand new toys. And then for the optimistic child, they filled his room with, with manure. And so about two hours into this, the, the pessimistic son came out of his room and the dad said, what do you think about your toys? He said, well, I, I didn't open up any of the presents. I was afraid that I might damage them, so I decided not to open them. And then the optimistic kid came bouncing out of the room and the dad said, why are you so happy? He said, dad, with all that manure in there, I know there has to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> it's all in what you're looking for. You know, all over the world, it seems like that people are looking to be critical. They're looking for a reason to be critical. They're looking for a reason to be negative. It almost is like that it helps people feel better about themselves if they join in the negative uh, with the negative crowd. And I agree that there are a lot of things wrong with the world. We can look back over this year and we can just highlight a lot of things that are negative, a lot of things that are bad. But let me say this. There are a lot of things, good things, that has happened in 2020. There's a lot of blessings that has taken place this year. I think God is doing an amazing work in our community and even in our nation. I mean, just yesterday, just yesterday, there are over 50,000 believers that gathered on the mall in Washington to pray, to seek the Lord, to ask God to send revival to our nation. That's amazing. You may not see it on uh, the national news this weekend, but it was quite significant. I had several of my friends uh, attend that, and they sent pictures, and we had church members there. And it's amazing to see that many people there for a purpose of praying and seeking the Lord. I believe God hears and God answers prayer, and we can expect good things. Think about this. Consider there are two types of birds or at least two types of birds, but consider the buzzard. What does the buzzard look for? The buzzard spends his day flying over looking for dead things. Then there's another bird, a hummingbird. And a hummingbird spends his day looking for sweet things. What are you looking for? Are you always looking for the dead things, the negative things? Are you looking for the sweet things and the good things? Because you see, I believe that we often get what we are looking for. This is the message of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 27. It says, whoever seeks good finds favor. Whoever seeks the good finds favor. But evil comes to the one who searches for it. Whoever seeks good, they find favor. If you're looking for the good, you're going to find it. But if you're looking for the negative, you're looking for the evil, you're going to find that too. 
And so if you want to... Um, if you want to be miserable, start looking for the negative, start looking for the bad. But if you want to uh, really feel good, start looking for the good. Here's the point. And fill in the blank. Search for the good. You'll find whatever you're looking for. I want to challenge you to search for the good because you will find whatever you are looking for. That's why we're here. Trying to encourage you to choose to be positive. To be positive. Because when you're negative, you're, a negative attitude has a way of limiting your scope and limiting your life. We all face difficulties, and we have a choice how we're going to respond to the difficulties. I want you to understand that when you face problems and you face difficulties, remember this, that this problem, this, challenges, this challenge is not here to stay. It's here to, to pass. It's only temporary. Maybe you didn't get the promotion that, that you were hoping for, and you could easily be sour about that. But instead of being sour about it, I want you to be positive. Could it be that God is working behind the scenes and he has a better job for you if you'll just be patient and wait in faith? Maybe uh, you're caught in traffic this week, you know, and you're going to uh, have an opportunity to be stressed. Or you could pause and say, God, my life is in your hands, and I am uh, at the right place at the right time right now. Could it be that this week that you'll have a medical report that wasn't good? And you say, I have an opportunity to worry and fret over this, or I can say, God, my life is in the palm of your hands, and I'm going to trust that you will lead me through this. When we start to choose the positive, I think it lifts up our spirits and it puts us in a mindset to see the, the favor of the Lord released. It puts us in a mindset to be optimistic. So here's my big point today. My optimism is not based on what I feel. It's not based on my feelings. My optimism is based on God's truth. My optimism is based on God's truth. And so I believe that every one of us can be optimistic by embracing five principles from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So we're going to open up God's truth, we're going to open up God's word, and we're going to say, God, speak to us. We're going to look at one chapter uh, in the New Testament. It comes from the book of Romans. It's chapter 8. We're going to stay in that chapter. And when we read this chapter, I believe there are five things that we can learn to help us to become more optimistic people. So here's the first one. I'm optimistic, first of all, because my sins are completely forgiven and my eternity is secure. My sins are completely forgiven and my eternity is is secure. Now, when you're forgiven, God gives you a fresh start. God erases the guilt. He erases the shame. He erases the remorse and uh, the regrets of your life. We see in the very first verse of Romans chapter 8, he says, there is now no condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you belong to Jesus? 
If you belong to Jesus, there is now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, when you look up the word no in the original text in which Paul is writing that, he's using the Greek language, it is the strongest negative that he could use. It actually means no, 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 a thousand uh, times no, not in a thousand years, not in a million years, not a chance in your lifetime, never, 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 not going to happen. There is no condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. It is so important uh, to understand this because you see, the number one reason so many people lose their joy is because they feel guilty. You see, guilt and shame are killjoys. You cannot be happy and guilty at the same time. You cannot be positive and live in regret at the same time. And so many of us have legitimate reasons to, be, um, to feel regret and to feel guilt and to feel bad about ourselves. And so many times, our feelings, we start speaking this self-condemnation. What does that sound like? Well, I should have done this, and I should have done that. I shouldn't have done this, and I shouldn't have done that. And it's like we're talking the guilt up, and we're talking shame up, and we're talking negative things to ourselves, and we become uh, a prophetic voice. We, we speak those things into existence. God doesn't look at you that way, and God doesn't want you to live in that way. He says that when you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Next verse, verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life, the law of the Spirit gives life, who gives life to set you free from the law of sin and death. He has come to set you free. That's the power of the gospel. Jesus has come to set you free. When you accept what he has done in your life, you accept his payment. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day, he paid the penalty of my sin. He paid the penalty of your sin. And when you accept the free gift of the forgiveness of your sins, he wipes your slate clean. You are completely forgiven. So you can be optimistic today because you're completely forgiven and your eternity is secure. Here's the second one. I am optimistic because my future victory is greater than my present pain. My future victory is greater than my present pain. In Romans, we drop down a couple of verses in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth compared to the glory that we will receive when it's uh, that glory that will be revealed in us. Now, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and you know some of his story. The Apostle Paul had a tough life. He was beaten, and he was shipwrecked, and he was whipped, and he was left for dead. He was snake-bitten. He was in prison. He was tortured because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, he is writing these words, our present sufferings cannot compare to the glory that we will experience one day. 
Think about it this way. Imagine your life on New Year's Day. What if New Year's Day was like this? New Year's Day, your car breaks down. New Year's Day, you have an emergency root canal, okay? You have an emergency root canal, and as they're halfway through it, they run out of Novocaine and every type of pain-deadening medication. You just have to suffer through it, and it's painful. You get home, and there's a tree that has fallen on your house. You go in to watch the, the Georgia game on the New Year's Bowl game, The cable cuts off after the third quarter, and it's tied. And you think, can this day get any worse? But it can, because your dog left you. And so there it is, this terrible, horrible, good-for-nothing day. It's an awful day. Can it get any worse? But then the next day's better. Your dog comes home. And things started changing. You get a promotion at work. It triples your salary. But not only did you get a triple in salary, they said, we're, we love what you're doing so much that we're going to pay uh, an all-expense-paid trip for you and your family for six weeks in Tahiti. And every day, there's a new blessing that comes on you. And said, so this is great. This is awesome. Every day, it gets better and better. And finally, at the end of the year, I said, man, this is awesome. But somebody says, well, didn't your year start off terrible? Well, yeah. I mean, didn't you have a root canal and didn't a tree fall on your house and didn't your car break down? And didn't your dog leave you? Yes, all of that happened. But the rest of the year was incredible. It was incredible. We had a rough start, but it was an incredible year. Maybe that's kind of like an analogy of heaven. Now, I don't want to to put a little at this point, but I realize that there are many people listening to me today that you are wrestling with a lot of trouble. And it is hard and your life is challenging. And all those things didn't happen to you in one day, but over a period of time, it seems like that bad luck has just rested on you and your household. And that you have suffered from pain. And it's not just a, a momentary pain, but you live with chronic pain. I am sorry that you're struggling with this, but I want to lift your spirit and understand that your present suffering cannot be compared to the glory. Can you imagine this? When you are in Christ and you're transitioned from this life to the next, because you see, this life isn't heaven. Sometimes we get confused that we think this life is heaven. No, this is not heaven. We are just passing through this life. And so we pass through into eternity, and we realize that we're going to live in eternity a lot longer than we live on this side. So imagine, you're 364 million days into eternity. 364 million days into eternity. Somebody says, now, tell me about your life. Didn't you have a hard life? Didn't you feel, have a difficult life? And you said, yes, my life was very hard. I had to deal with this, and I had to deal with that. But let me say this. Let me say this, that my suffering cannot be compared to the glory that I have received. My suffering cannot be compared to the life that I have now. 
You see, in light of God's goodness, in light of God's plan for your life, your suffering that you're, that you're dealing with now, it's only temporary because while you are waiting, God is working. While you're waiting in the middle of this pain, while you're waiting in the middle of this difficulty, God is working. God is working for you, and God is working in your situation. That takes us to the third thing. I'm optimistic because God is working everything in my life for good. God is working everything in my life for good. We drop down a couple of verses, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that in all things, how many things? All things, all things, that God works in all things. That's all things. To those of you that are in the chat rooms right now, it is all things. When you look at the original context of this word, it means all things. It means everything. That means the good, and it means the bad. It means the, uh, the negative. It means the positive. It means that God is working in all situations to turn and to bring his will to pass. God works in your trouble and God works in your uncomfortable situations and God is working out his plan in your life according to his will. He's working behind the scenes, directing your footsteps, changing the direction of your life. He's not just in control of you and see, uh, but he is controlling your circumstances. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he becomes the leader of our lives. And so he becomes our guide. He directs our footsteps. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So he is ordering your footsteps. He is ordering your footsteps. And so if he is in control of your circumstances, why are you worrying? Why are you fretting? Why are you so stressed out? The most high God is directing your footsteps. He has ordered your footsteps. He's moving the wrong people out of your life. And I believe he is moving the right people into your life. Now, let me say this. Some of you got to work with him because he has moved the wrong people out of your life. And what has happened? You chased them down and you brought them back. And so I just want you to understand this. When God moves the wrong people out of your life, let them go. And I want you to open your heart and I want you to open your door that the right people will come into your life. I believe that's the kind of God that we serve, that he is changing. He's taking those negative things, he's turning them around and he's bringing something positive. But in the meantime, we've got to stay in faith. We've got to stay in faith. We've got to allow his plan to work it out. We've got to allow his plan uh, to, uh, be, to be revealed in our lives. And so many times we get frustrated and, uh, and we run. But I want you to be still and know that he is the Lord. 
I want you to be still and know that he is working behind the scene. While you are waiting, God is working. I said there's five things. Here's number four. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic because God is for me. God is for me, so who can be against me? God is for me, so who can be against me? We drop down a couple of verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, when Paul is writing this, he's not using this word if to mean like, well, maybe he is for us and maybe he, if God is for us. It's a better translation of that, I believe, would be the word since God is for us or because God is for us. Since God is for us, then who can be against us? Who can be against us? And some of you say, well, Marty, I know some people against me. I think we all have people that are against us. We live in the real world. We are not in heaven yet. And we've got people that are, are working against us. And the Bible says you should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. But you need to keep your eyes open. You know, I have this mentality that, uh, that everybody likes me. Now, I know it's a faulty mentality, but I just, every time I go into a conversation, I have a conversation, I immediately think these thoughts, these people like me. <laughs> Literally, I do. I think these people like me. And, and so uh, a few years ago, Patty was so frustrated. She looked at me, she said, Marty, she said, you think people are gonna like you, but they don't. <laughs> She's thinking, you think everybody likes you, but they don't. I said that in the second service, and she over there said, Amen. She still thinks that. But that is the truth. That there are some people that are the wrong people and they're working against you, trying to hurt you. But if God is for you, since God is for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? There's so many people that come in with their negative words trying to steal your joy trying to rob you of your dreams, trying to tell you that you'll never become anything more than what you already are. Don't listen to the negative voices of this world, but listen to the voice of truth. The voice of truth is that, says that God is on your side, that God is for you. You know, when David went out to fight Goliath, David was only a, a teenager at that time. And he was, prior to uh, stepping on this battlefield, he was tending sheep for his dad. He didn't have any military training. He didn't have any experience. He didn't even have any equipment or armor. He steps out on that battlefield. He sees Goliath. Goliath is twice his size. And here is a, a skilled warrior and David could have looked at him in the natural and said, whoa, I knew you were big, but I, 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 I didn't know you were that big. But as he looked at him, he realized and reminded him that God was on his side. He thought, this giant is big, but God is bigger. He said to himself, if God is for me, then who, this giant, who is that to be against me? So David didn't 
stop with the facts. The facts were clear. I want you to understand this. The facts were clear. David was in over his head. The facts were clear. He was about to face a giant that was well-trained and well-equipped, and he was not trained and didn't have any equipment except a few stones and a slingshot. He was not big enough or he was not strong enough to defeat Goliath. Those are the facts. And if David would have only looked at the facts, he would have talked himself out of fighting Goliath. But instead, David went out and he stood before Goliath and he looked at him and he said, you come at me uh, with a, a sword and a shield, but I come at you with the name of the Lord God of Israel. And this day, David says, I will defeat you and I will feed your head to the birds of this air. And then David stepped up. I would imagine as he is going out to, uh, to uh, address Goliath that he is saying, I can do this. I am well able, I am anointed, I am equipped for if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be? I am anointed to do this. Some of you are, are facing giants this week. And as you're facing those giants, you need to walk in faith and you need to say, I can do this. I am anointed. Uh, I have been called. I have been uh, placed in this position for such a time as this. If God is for me, who can be against me? David picked up a few rocks and he put them in his slingshot. He picked up a rock. And with one rock, that giant came falling down because he hit him right in the center of the forehead. If God is for you, it doesn't matter how big the giants are, but they will come tumbling down. If God has called you, God will provide for you. I want you to hear that. If God has called you and God has told you your next move, you need to understand it is time for you to step out in faith for God is going to open the doors that you're to walk through. But you cannot stay on the sidelines anymore for today is the day that you're to take that step. And God is saying to you today that as you take that step, the provision will come. It will not have come one day before that it's supposed to be there. But at the right time, God is going to throw open the windows of heaven and God is going to supply the need from unexpected sources. And so I want you to be courageous enough and I want you to be bold enough to walk through the door, to step through the door. But you say, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I'm nervous. Yes, you may feel afraid. You may feel nervous, but you are not to speak that out. You are to speak faith out. David was nervous when he stepped up to face Goliath, but he did not speak uh, fear out. He instead said, I come at you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He spoke God's word to him. He spoke out in faith. He may have felt the fear. You may feel fear right now. But hear me, 
Do not speak out that fear and give it seeds for your life to bring that guilt and shame and remorse and to limit your life. But I want you to speak faith and I want you to take that step of faith and understand where God guides, he will provide. You're so worried about your money when your heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God is your provider. God is your provider. And you need to put your confidence and you need to put your trust in him and you need to believe that God is going to complete what he has started in you. And I know this has been tough and this has been a tough year, but God is going to complete what he started. You are not to uh, hold your uh, head down. You're not to stoop your shoulders any longer. You need to rise up. You need to look up for your redemption draws nigh that God is coming and he's going to set you free and he's going to deliver you from this and you're going to see his glory like you have never seen before. It is time that you step out. It is time that you have faith. And it is time that you stand on God's word that if God is for me, who can be against me? I said there's five things. Here's the fifth one. I'm optimistic because nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. In verse 35, we drop down a couple of verses. It says, who shall separate us from the love of, God, love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Who's gonna separate us from the love of God that's in Christ? The answer to that, Paul is saying, nobody. Nobody has the power to separate you from the love of God. In fact, he mentions seven things here. Seven things. He's saying, how about trouble? He said, no way. Hardship, no. Persecution, no. Famine, no. Nakedness, no. Um, uh, danger, no. The sword, no. And then he continues in the next verse, verse 37, he says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. We are more than conquerors. That's five English words there. And when Paul wrote that, it only took one Greek word. And if you were to uh, try to uh, define that Greek word, it would mean this. They are super conquerors. We're super conquerors through Christ who loved us. So what does that mean? It means that in Christ that you can handle and you can face anything that this world throws at you. You can do this. In Christ, you can face anything anything that this world can throw at you. And I, I know people have already given up. And I know practically that some of you have given up on your own self. Stop listening to those negative voices and hear the voice of truth. The voice of truth says you are more than. 
You're more than what your parents told you. You are more than what that teacher said over you. You are more than what that coach spoke over you. You are more than what that the district superintendent said over you. You are more than that because you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Hear that. I want you to receive that in your spirit today. When life counts you out, I want you to understand God is counting you in. God is saying, yes, you're going to overcome. You're going to do this. There will always be negative voices telling you you're not qualified, that you're, you're too old, or you're too young, or you're, you stutter, or, or uh, you're too tall, or you're too short. You're all kind of negative voices that come in. Don't listen to them. Listen to the voice of truth. You're a child of the Most High God. You are more than a conqueror. That means in faith that you can get through what you're going through. That means in faith that I will overcome this. In faith, I will overcome this illness. In faith, I will overcome this addiction. In faith, I will pay my house off. In faith, I will live long enough to see my family restored. In faith, I will accomplish my dreams. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 38, it says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other uh, powers, neither height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are victorious in Jesus name. You're victorious. I want you to receive that as God's word for you today. In fact, I want you to speak it out because when we speak something out, they're like seeds that are planted and they become our future. So here's what I want you to repeat after me. I am victorious in Jesus' name. Once again, I am victorious in Jesus' name. This week, as you face difficulties, this week, as you face problems, I want you to go and say, yes, I am well able, I am anointed, and I am victorious in Jesus' name. That there's no weapon that is formed against me that's going to prosper because I am victorious in Jesus' name. The bank is not going to be the last say. Jesus is my provider, and I am victorious in Jesus' name. This negative medical report is not going to be my epitaph, but I am victorious, and I am healed in Jesus' name. Nothing is going to be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's love for you is unconditional. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter what kind of stupid mistake you've made. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. All those dumb decisions, all that season of rebellion, all that doubt and all that fear, all that. God's grace is bigger. God's grace is bigger than all of your problems. And the Bible says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And God's grace is here for you. 
I don't know what you've, you're facing right now, but I do know this, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And there's a reason that you showed up at 12 noon on Stevens Creek Road today. There's a reason that you've tuned in and you're watching online or you're watching on demand. Because the Spirit of the Lord has ordered your footsteps. The Spirit of the Lord has you here this uh, at this time listening to these words. He's calling you. He's calling you to surrender your life to Jesus. You see, the prob- a lot of the problem that you are having right now is because you're trying to do everything in your own power and in your own strength. You can't, it's not gonna work that way. You need a power that's greater than yourself. And I know you have a lot of confidence and so forth, but let me tell you, you need the power of Jesus in your life. Let him come in. Let him erase that guilt and that shame and those regrets and that remorse. Let him cleanse you. Let him set you free. And let him make you new. Are you ready? I'm going to pray for you today. And then I'm going to pray over you today. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And today, I believe that your life is going to be changed because your name is going to be written in his book and his spirit is going to be released in your life. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that have never made a commitment to follow Jesus today. They've never been saved. If that's you, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past and I trust you with my future. Say that, God, I trust you with my future. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray not only for them, but I pray for those uh, people watching and the people in this room. I pray that the name of Jesus would be released in their life. This is the most powerful name in your vocabulary. That at the name of Jesus, situations in your life will change. At the name of Jesus, problems will be resolved. At the name of Jesus, sicknesses will be healed. And so I speak the strong name of Jesus over you. I break the power of the enemy over your life. I silence those negative voices, not with my good words, but with the word of truth, with God's word, that in the name of Jesus, you will have a new mind, the mind of Christ. You will have a new heart. Uh, You'll have a, a new spirit. You'll have a new joy. So receive his power, receive his anointing, and receive his spirit today. We do that, God. We receive this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, 
please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.